Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. And if we're going to experience God daily, then we're going to have to search for what God is doing. Look for where he's at work. Now, if you, I don't know if you've ever lost something or not, but um, besides me, anybody ever lost something valuable? Like, we're going about to see how valuable it is. How many of you lost something that was like, eh, I could get another one? And no big deal. How many of you ever lost something like, really important that was like, oh, man, I can't replace that? I did this with <clears throat> my wedding ring. Yes, it's not this, not the, not one I have right now. This is, I don't have it on right now because I was working with mortar and this one I have now, it's a, uh, it's got a, it's got two bands and if you guys have one of these, it spins. So it's got two bands, it's like a fidget spinner. I love it. But uh, it's, um, if I work outside in the farm, whatever gets sand and dirt in it and it's a very moldable metal, it's the, the band that circles it and it dents real easy. So I take it off, I'll lock it on my toolbox and that's where it sits in my barn. <laughs> I usually put it back on, but I keep forgetting. So, uh, and anyway, but the one that I lost, that's like a replacement. And it's probably cost more. I don't know. I can't remember, but it probably cost more than the first one. The first one, though, I don't know. I didn't have it very long at all because I, ne- I didn't. I'm not a jewelry guy. I don't like. I'm not a jewelry person. So when we got married, here I am with this ring on, and it's driving me nuts because I did construction. And so all I remember thinking in construction was seeing the video where they showed us why you shouldn't wear rings in construction. You guys ever seen that video? Google that for entertainment if you want to see something bad. Brother was working on a spindle and, but he didn't, it didn't pull his finger off. It just pulled the skin off. I got to know which is worse. I don't know. Anyway, that made me, so now I think about a lot when I work with power tools, whatever. So I just kind of go, you know, and I forget to put it on sometimes. But this first one, I lost this thing. I should have had it resized. I lost it cleaning out gutters. It's the only thing I can figure out. The only thing that it was wet, had mud all over me. I was doing this, throwing it out of the, our first house we lived in. And I don't, that's the only thing I can remember. I looked everywhere for this ring. Haley helped me look. We looked all around the house. I tried to get a metal detector. I don't know how those things work. That didn't work. I mean, I would still, if they would let me today, I would still go around the house. Because I know it's there somewhere. It has to be unless someone's found it. So frustrating, right? But you know why I searched so long for that? Because it meant something to me. Like it meant a lot. It still means a lot to me. If I found a day, I would pay what we paid for it. Then I would pay that again just to have it. Twice. I wouldn't care because that I can't replace that. I've actually had, I've got two wedding rings now. You know what I'm saying? I got like the one that I lost, but now I have the one she bought me another one to replace. And then I got another one in Israel that I wear more often. I have two, but, and I love them, but... It's not the same as the one she got me, the first one. That one was special. They're all special, but do you understand what I mean, right? You don't, you don't look for some things. I bet you don't look for a dryer lint. I've never walked to our house and go, honey, I can't find any dryer lint. It's just, it's nowhere to be found. I mean, I keep looking and the, it's always there. I open the drawer. We wash a lot of clothes. It's constantly there. I'm always dealing with dryer lint. You know, I don't look for calories. They're there. If you live in Georgia, do you look for gnats? No. They are here. You don't have to look for them. I never look for gnats. I don't look for taxes. I don't look for any of that stuff. I don't even look for McDonald's. 
If we're driving and we got to stop for food, maybe I hate it if you if it's your first choice. It's not my first choice. McDonald's, I know where they are. I just passed one of them. There'll be another one five miles down the road. I'm not looking for McDonald's. I'm looking for something else. And if I have to, then I'll pick that. But I don't have to look for McDonald's. They're everywhere. You don't look for anything that has this, this value that's so low. You search for things that mean something to you. And you search hard and fast for them. You know, if you want to get better at a pitch or a hit, or, or you know, your, your craft, your trade, typically now we used to go find a teacher, instructor, or whatever, now you Google it. First thing you do, if we don't know anything now, we always mess with Haley because she's, she's going to look it up. If you say, you know, I wonder, we were in Scotland, I wonder if there really were ever unicorns. Well, I don't know. Let me look it up. I wonder if, you know, we'll ever get somebody to Mars. Well, let's look it up. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's just, she, she can find stuff. She likes to research. But we don't look up anything. We don't look for anything that really doesn't matter. If we really want to experience God in our daily life, we're going to have to search for him. And that's the author's intent when he writes about this. You've got to search for the Lord. So as we talk a little bit today, there's a scripture that you may have heard before. Maybe you haven't. But we're going to talk about Hebrews 10 and verse 19. And this is the scripture that's used a lot that encourages us to stay. Um, I don't want to say have. I don't want to say keep church attendance. That's not what I want to say. But it's what's used a lot for church attendance. That's not what this is about. It's much deeper than that. So when we read Hebrews 10, I don't want you to think about, okay, being at church. I want you to think about um, the mission of of the gospel of Christ. So Hebrews 10, verse 19. Let's look at this. Let's read it together or look at it on the screen there. Uh, Verse 19 of chapter 10 of Hebrews says, Therefore, brethren, since we have this confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, we just sang a song about that, that you have access to God now through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. So let me ask you a question. Who's the high priest over the house of God? It's not Pastor Jody. Just want to, just want to throw it out quick. Who is it? It's, come on, say his name together. It's, come on, as his name, every name trembles, every demon flees. So just say his name one more time. Yeah, there you go, right? If you're in Spanish, Jesus, uh, Middle East, it's Isa. Either way, you just use one of his names. His name is, is great. But by him, we have access. He's the high priest over the house of God. And because of that, not a pastor, not a ministry leader, him. Let us draw now near with a sincere heart. You could say the word draw near is searching. Uh, James says it like this, draw near unto God and he will draw near unto you. It doesn't work the other way. People think that God comes searching for them. I'm sorry, he already went searching for you once. He sent Jesus for that search, and he found you, and he's called you to himself. He's not out there anymore begging and pleading and asking you. And bar- he's already made the greatest plea ever. It was the blood of Jesus. And he's saying, if you want to know me, you're going to have to search for me. Uh, search with me with your whole heart, and you will find me. It's all about us coming and searching God. We'll search for cats flipping off of curtain rods on YouTube. Little cat videos. Look at the kitty cat. Ah! But when it comes to God, we think things like, well, I'm not a theologian. I don't understand the Bible. And so I just better not. I don't know. And there's this fear almost of searching for God. But I, what, do you get, what are we afraid of? What are you going to find? What's going to happen if you find him? You're afraid he's like, Wah! he's going to surprise you? 
I gotcha. That's not God. He already paid the price for you. So Jesus made access and he says, now let's search with a sincere heart or come to God, searching for him with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then he says, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Everybody say he's faithful. He is a faithful God. You cannot look at what you see around you to determine his faithfulness. If there is one thing I've learned about following the Lord, you cannot make your situation and circumstance a determination of his faithfulness. There is no promise about, because our other friends and brothers and sisters in the Lord in other nations are persecuted for their faith in greater ways than we experience. If it was circumstantial based on his faithfulness, they would depart from the faith. But instead, they are drawn closer even in their persecution because they are, they are holding on to something much more deeper than circumstance. So he says, let's hold on to fast to this confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. And watch this verse 24. This is the one that is quoted a lot. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Verse 25, not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some, so this goes out the window with that whole don't judge me syndrome that people talk about today. Um, he's making a comparison right here. He's saying, don't forsake this important thing that Jesus paid his life for and gave you, which was his church, as some do. Don't judge me. He's not. He's saying, don't be like that. So don't let that irk us. He's just saying, don't fall into this trap. <clears throat> but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I'm talking about a couple of things with this real quick. Uh, consider. First of all, he says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. The word consider is interesting. I had to look it up because in our English terminology, it might mean a little bit different. So I'll put it on the screen for you, okay? Consider, it means to observe fully. It means to behold. Watch this. To discover or to perceive something about God. I put in my parentheses, this is my words. Just think about it. <laughs> Selah. It's just consider it, ponder it, think about it. What is God doing? What is he saying here? If we're going to stimulate one another to good, to good deeds, then that indicates I've got to know you a little bit. Like, how am I going to encourage you to do something good for God if I don't at least know you somehow? I gotta know you. I mean, try it someday with people you don't know. <laughs> see how far it gets with, try to stimulate them to good works and see what happens. Just go try it. Put it on Facebook. I dare you to put it on Facebook. An encouraging word to people. Just say, I just want to be encouraging to everybody today. I want to ask everybody today to go do something that makes people smile, blah, blah, blah. And you're gonna get some troll on there immediately says, why do you want to make people smile? Blah, 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 blah. Angry face. All over. Because you put something nice on Facebook or whatever you use. Instagram or whatever the thing is today. But he says to consider, talking about us, how to stimulate one another to good, to, to good works and good deeds. So I was reading an article this week, very, a very interesting article. It was talking about a church in North America. Now they consider Canadian and, and America, we, we're very similar. It used to be a little bit different. <clears throat> but they're considered now American, we're not much different in our, in our um, in church culture, I guess you'd say. But this article, so I was reading this article, and this is what it said. And it's um, this idea about church attendance. And I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm just giving you this article, the basis, okay? 
But in this article, it talks about church attendance in North America it's, uh, that, that is now on average one or two times a month. That's the average. Now, I just want to tell you that that's nothing new. That data is not new. We've had that for 20-something years. That was the average church attendance. Because sometimes people work, sometimes this happens, you're sick, this happens, blah, 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 blah. On average, in general, average, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the data, though, that shifted. This is like eye-opening. That data was for average attending individuals. And I am not in this, don't, don't, don't judge me. I, that's not what I'm doing right now. I'm, I want to give you something. That data was for individuals who really just, eh, I'm, I'm come, no big deal. It has shifted. This new data is not for those individuals. It is for Bible-believing strong in the faith, those who say, if you ask the question, are you a believer that you would stand strong for the Lord and you have great faith in God? Yes. It switched. The data is no longer for people who just cash. It's, it is for us. Now, before you think, oh my gosh, what are we going to be talking today? Well, <clears throat> Take out the normal stuff, vacations, if you work on the weekends sometimes, health care, you got to emergency with that, you're sick. Take out all the normal stuff, you're dealing with a parent, you're helping a parent sick, or you got all those normal things in life. That's not what I'm talking about. This is talking about, like, I put names down because I thought, I don't know anybody named Jim and June of the First Pew Church. I just made that up. But Jim and June of the First Pew Church, they were there on the pew all the time, like, the kid that was so rebellious, he'd come in and out, in and out of church, right? He knew, though, that Jim and June would be there. And Jim and June would pray for him. Jim and June now consider themselves, eh, if I go once a month, that's enough. It's a new data. It's, it's shifted. It's crazy. But that's, that's the reality. And it makes sense because of what, um, I think, what we've probably already seen and known. But the, the culture ideas have shifted. Now, why am I telling you this? What, what are you getting at, Pastor, with this? Well, how am I going to stimulate you to good works if I don't see you? How will I connect with you? How will, I make, how will we do this thing called believers in church and et cetera if I don't have a relationship with you? It's, not, it's just not possible. And I don't think that church in North America is actually a model for the world. So when I say that, uh, because if you go to another place in the nations, uh, it doesn't work. Like what we do here, this would not work in the Middle East. You can't set a flag up like we do and say, hey, here we are. Uh, it, it won't work. They will, um, someplace running out of town. It's just not going to work. But regardless of what a church looks like and church is changing, I think it's going to change even more, but regardless of what it looks like, no matter what kind of style is congregational, like what we're doing right here, we all gather together to worship or some house church model that happens in other nations. Some of it's here or the focus is outreach or discipleship or deliverance or other. Here's the interesting thing about this article. Regardless of that, the reality is this. This is the article that stated two very interesting things. Number one, people may not see church as a value anymore. And I'm not talking. Can y'all pay attention to what I'm saying right now? Because I don't want you to lose what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I know. This is not talking about unbelievers. This study is on Christians. Bible-believing Christians. June and Jim of the first pew church, Christians, they no longer see church as a value. It's kind of eye-opening. 
Second thing it says, watch this. It says, this is, this is a study on, on statistical data. Watch this. When someone merely attends church, the likelihood of showing up regularly or even engaging their faith decreases over time. Again, I'm not talking about, look, we all, I want, you should take vacations. If you have someone sick, you should take care of them. If you have, that is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a mindset. This is a statistical data that is a fact. It has been proven that Christians are saying, eh. And we have found that if we just attend, merely attending, engaging faith. Now, here's why I'm giving you this. It's because it makes me stop and consider again and think about what's happening. Why would God tell us not to forsake the assembly? Did you think he might know something we don't know? Do you think he might have thought and knew that human nature, if I'm not surrounded by good company, actually as the scripture says, bad character corrupts good, or good, bad company corrupts good character. If I, if I don't hang around somebody that has similar belief systems to me, I'm going to go in the tank, man. Is it possible God already knew that? And so he told us that, but now we have science and statistical data and, oh, I mean, this is from a great church, you know, guru like guy. He, he's a smart guy. But it's like, oh, look at this. Wow, look what it says. Wow, we should really pay attention. And I want to say, maybe we ought to just pay attention to the Bible. Because God already told us first what was going to happen. Our faith decreases. Not because, watch this, pay attention very clearly. It doesn't decrease because we didn't do a Bible study. It doesn't decrease because you didn't go to the prayer meeting. It doesn't decrease because you didn't sing a song or raise your hand or maybe you didn't get the cup of coffee you wanted. That's not why it's decreasing. It's decreasing because the lack... What's up, Siri? To do that... Ask her if this ain't true. But to do that, to decrease in faith, it says then it is connected completely with my lack of value on the assembling of other believers together with me. That was, I don't know if it's eye-opening to you, but it's a bit heartbreaking on one hand, but a bit eye-opening and revealing to me on the other. You say, well, man, Pastor Joey, what, are we gonna, what else are we going to talk about today? Because I don't, I don't really like that. Okay, it made me think about the difference between value and trust. Like when I search for something, I'm searching for something that is valuable to me. But I can't find my ring anymore. So this right here that we have has got to be built on something much greater than a piece of jewelry now. I can't build my life anymore on that. Well, I got the ring and so I must be. No, 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 no. This is deeper than a piece of jewelry. That's valuable. But it is not the thing that we're built on. That's a ring. And I've stood up and watched people get married and I'm married and I tell them this thing. I tell everybody that I'm married. I'm with you. Until the end. If you ever need me, if you're in a crisis, if it's a, you have my number and you better call me because if you break up and you don't call me, I'm going to be angry. I'm coming after you, man. I got a good record here. You know what I'm saying? Don't mess up my record. I always tell couples that I'm married, you, you have my number. Please. If stuff goes sideways, because it will, call me. I'll help you. And I've had couples do that. Some don't, but some do. And I'm always, Pastor, I'm sorry, but I hate, 
I hate to call you, but this is what's going on. Why? Do you know how glad I am that you called me? You did the best thing you could do. How can I help you? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. It just depends, right? It takes two to tango. So anyway, but value versus trust. Think about this. We value God enough to put him on our money, but do we trust him in our giving? We value a God enough at our wedding because we asked the preacher to do it, but do we trust him in our marriage? We value God when it comes to the pregnancy. God, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, just, just as long as they're healthy. But do we still trust him in the parenting? Because it's easy. We were just talking with some ladies in the back of the nursery. Like, oh, they're so cute in the car seat. Look at them. They're strapped in, buckled in. They can't get out. That car seat was the best creation ever by Graco. Man, we had the kind that locked into the stroller. That kid, she stayed in the car seat in the car. She stayed so much, we were worried. Like, hey, Doc, is it okay? And they're like, oh, let that baby. You're going you're gonna to appreciate this later. We had no idea because it's the first one. Man, after she got out of the car seat, game over. And then for some reason, you have another one because you forget. I think God gives you some kind of amnesia or something. Like you forget what you dealt with with the first one. But, oh, but you still got the car seat and the stroller. So it's okay. We got one in the thing. And this one's running around. It's going, all right. Okay, we got. But then you get outnumbered. And once you're outnumbered, you never let them know they could take over at any moment. But you realize, I just need a car seat again, and I don't have one. But we'll pray and ask God, to God, just give me a healthy kid. But when it comes later in life, when they're teenagers and whatnot, we just act like as if he's not still concerned about your baby. He's still concerned about your kid. And he wants to help you right now. Matter of fact, I'd love for you to do this for me right now. We'll take one set, about one minute here. So an officer's family in, our, in, our, in the police department, city police, and they've had a baby. And this little baby is so precious, y'all. Like, so precious. Haley and I never had to, we, we had a scare, but we didn't have to deal with it, it, nothing like this. This little baby, and I can't give you the name, I didn't ask for that, but <clears throat> this little baby's had tubes and in and out of stuff. And, it, man, it was really, it's been a tough go. It's been a go. So, would y'all do me a favor? I want to pray for them. And would you just, like, close your eyes for a minute? Would you just pray with me, just as a church right now, together? as you assemble together. So, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you, and you know this little baby's name, the family God, and you see where they are right now. You see how far this little one has come. And, Lord, I'm just asking you, God, to continue to heal and work a miracle. Lord, they have cried out and asked and just put their case before you, Lord. And so we just ask you, God, continue to heal. Thank you, God, for helping them with the tube getting out and making so much progress that's been made. But, Lord, in Jesus' name, would you give them peace and comfort and strengthen that little baby, Lord, to overcome so we won't have to have the medication anymore. God can stand and, and be strong uh, without any kind of medicines or anything else. God, we just thank you for, thank you for the nurses that are watching over and caring for them. And, uh, God, we just thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Just, man, if you get a chance, think about it and just pray, pray for them. But the value that we apply to God when we apply for jobs, we, we, we value God in the application of the job, but do we trust him still when we get it? God, if you just give me this job, man, God, I really appreciate it. But then when you get it, it's like, that boss is such a jerk. But God gave you the job. Like, so which, why can't you just be the light where you are? My oldest daughter, she's talking about trying to do some internship. And before you give me this look, just realize I ain't one of them 
You ain't gonna, you're not gonna, I'm not in, I ain't that. All right. So we go to Disney World. I love Disney. I don't care what you think about it. I have fun. I don't get in all their stuff. But every other company in this whole stinking United States of America has got some kind of issue going on. And in case you didn't know that, everybody does. All of them do. Look up their social government. They all have stuff they believe in. I don't get into that junk. I'm just going for a magical moment with my kids. That's all I'm going for. And I paid enough money for it. I'm going to be happy. I ain't going to be mad and angry and try to protest out there with people. I'm going to have fun. Now, that's us. You do what you want to do. But nonetheless, my oldest one, she's thinking about considering some internship. And Disney does really cool internships, leadership stuff. And people think like, well, I wouldn't dare send my kid there. But you'll send them to college. Like, I don't know if you've been on that campus yet that your kid goes to, but have you walked around and heard anything yet? Well, I went to them to Disney. Why? Because they're in the news? Do you know anything about what other companies believe? Have you been to the university your kid goes to? Here's what I told my girl. I said, listen, don't worry about it. Let me tell you something. Jesus called us to be a light. What if you go down there and you're the greatest light some of those people have ever seen? The biggest problem right now is there's no light anywhere. We're scared. Jesus said, you're not supposed to hide your light under a bushel. Oh, this is just a harsh world. It's so scary. I'm so afraid of my kids and what they're going to see. Look, man, listen. I did construction for a long time. I thought I've seen and heard about everything. I've heard about every crude joke, every kind of thing you can think of. I've heard it on the job site. The world's out there. And you can't hide it from your kids and every little thing. And we don't homeschool because we're afraid of the world. That ain't why we do it. We just do it because it works for us. We kind of enjoy it. I don't know why I said that. Oh, yeah, because, <laughs> sorry, I just forgot. Because when you, you're supposed to be a light on the job. Don't hide your light on your bushel. Be the source of light. If your boss is freaking out, maybe he's got some books that are freaking him out. Maybe he's got some really angry employees he works with him, and it's like he don't like them. Don't be one of those. Be the one that he likes. If he hollers at you, just say, hey, you know, what can I do to help you? He'd probably fall out. You want to help me? Wow. Just saying, if you ask God for the job, trust him since you got it. Don't get mad now. He, either he gave you the job or he didn't, which, you know, which is it? How about this? We value God for our salvation, but we, do we still trust him in our worship? Well, it wasn't a good week, so you know, just, you know, it was a tough week, man. In the toughest weeks, y'all, look, it ought to be this right here. I don't know how some of you come to church dealing with the junk you deal with and do this right here. Oh, they done. They done. I don't know how you do it. Because, man, when I, deal, when I have the heaviest load, that's when I need him the most. When everything's good, I'd be honest with you, things are going great. That's the time when I'm kind of like, hey, what, how you doing? How you doing? What's up? Everything's going good. I, but when I'm struggling, I don't know how people can't. I, this is what I'm doing. God, please help, Lord Jesus. I come to worship you today. Why? Because salvation was great, but I still need him today, right now. And so this is, it's too easy to have a value of God and not trust him. Consider 
This thing that has just come about, consider this stuff. And Jesus said, why do you call me, this is Luke 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, don't do what I say? That's Jesus, not Jody. He says, everyone who comes to me <coughs> and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. Now, what, what Jesus is doing right here is against the whole don't judge me cycle that people tend to get into. He is making comparisons again right here. I will tell you what the person is like who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. I will show you what he's like. Verse 48, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and he laid a foundation on the rock. What, what did he do? He dug deep. What was he doing? He was searching for the rock. He was digging deep. You're not going to find the rock to build a house by just going out there with a teaspoon and going, we'll just see what we find. Well, you know, I couldn't find anything, so I quit. If you're going to build a house, you've got to excavate enough if you're going to get down to bedrock. You can't kick a teaspoon out there digging around for a foundation. It says, when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it <clears throat> because it had been well built. But the one who has heard, <clears throat> both heard his words, right? And has acted, not acted accordingly, <clears throat> pardon me, is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, or we would say the sand, and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. He said, you have two choices. Both hear my words. They both heard the words of Jesus. One dug deep and built on bedrock, and one said, Ah, hey, you know, that foundation thing's not so important. Let's just stick it on the ground and see what happens. You know, they did that in Jamestown. If you go back and look at some of the early old sediments, how they built things, <laughs> Wasn't the best idea, you know. They obviously didn't have a builder with them at the time, Mr. Leslie. They just got up there and said, hey, boys, let's just throw some sticks together. We'll see what happens. And they found out what termites were. So, Believe me, if that has shown up and it's revealing this truth to us about God and his word, we should take notice. Consider this. We have to stimulate one another to good deeds. He says in Hebrews 10, 24, and read it again. Let's consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. So we're going to consider this, and then we're going to assemble. Why do we assemble? Can I just start a couple of thoughts real quick? And I get why people are shifting their value of a church. Um, some of it has to do with, like, cultural things, like the studies are showing some of the things. Like, it could be, you know, believe it or not, a lot of people have to work on Sundays. I mean... It just happens. You may think, well, I just don't agree with that. Well, that's easy to say when you're not in their situation. I mean, I, I've been there before. I know I'm actually there now. I don't like just, you know, I, sometimes I work and I have to take another day at different times of the week. I just, the way it falls. Some people in healthcare, they get called in. Emergency services, get, they don't get like, oh, well, we're going to shut everything down on a Sunday. I mean, they ain't Chick-fil-A, you know what I'm saying? You can't shut the police department down on a Sunday. Way closed on Sunday. What they did at the hospital, can you imagine that our wonderful nurses and doctors, they just said, hey, y'all, let's take Sundays and Sabbath. No more health care for anybody on a Sunday. That would be awful. So it happens. You have to understand these things. That's not what I'm referring to here. Some of the things that are concerning, though, is this. People are looking at the amount of moral failure in church leadership, and that's causing them to move away from church. Because they see great leaders fall. And they open doors to see skeletons in the closet. And it's affecting people. And I can, and can you blame them? I mean, if we're talking about someone who doesn't really know the Lord, can you blame them if it hurts them or causes them to stumble even? I, someone who doesn't know the Lord, doesn't know the Bible, 
and their church leadership falls morally, don't you think it would affect them? Of course it would. A, a young Christian Lord does it. They don't know. But here's the problem, guys. This study is not talking about those individuals. It's referring to those of us who know how to follow God. I've been to Bible college, man. We heard all these stories back from the early 50s, 60s, 70s, all this stuff. All the stories of excess and all the things that come and go, the moral failures, church leadership issues, and all that stuff. And it's no different in Christian churches anymore. You used to think people looked at like some stuff that happened in the Catholic you know, church. Well, see, that's them. It's not us. No, it's our groups too. But that doesn't move my walk. Like, so I just want to encourage you right now before I wrap up with these last few thoughts. If a leader falls morally, it is heartbreaking. It bothers me. I, because it saddens me because, man, that stinks. You know? Like, it's a, it's a loss. You, you feel it. You know, if you're, if you're playing a ball team and you lose, you feel it. It's, a, it's an emotional thing. It's not the end of the world, but you feel it. A team... When they lose, they feel it together. They, they suffer together in a sense. I mean, it doesn't matter if you played or didn't play. You feel the loss just like you feel the win. However, if I lose a ball game, I'm not going to turn away from the thing that I love. If I really love it. And what's interesting to me is it happens in every other area of life. And people don't turn away from those things. Doctors fall morally, but people don't quit going to the hospital, <laughs> you know, like, well, I'll never go back again after that. Yeah, I bet you do. Politicians fall, but you'll vote. I guarantee you'll vote. Just wait till now. I can't, boy, it's just going to, it just gets going again. Everybody says, I got to vote. Well, it's because it's spiritual. It's the way the enemy uses to say, see, you can't believe in that, so you might as well just do your own thing. The statistic actually shows you that people are now actually taking self-spiritual development on their own with no one around them. There's nothing wrong with going to podcast. I listen to podcasts. Do all that stuff. Absolutely. But there's no one surrounding them. They have no one to bounce anything off of. They're on their own spiritually saying, I can do all this myself. It is a very interesting thing to me. But we assemble with other believers because it was designed by God. And here's why, guys. The number one reason why we do it, why do we assemble? Because it says, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for God. Because he asked me to. That's it. Yeah, but doesn't fit in this category. I came today because my Lord and Savior bought me. He paid for me. I'm here today to worship. Why? Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I work at a church. All that doesn't mean a thing to me when it comes to this. I'm here because I came to worship Jesus because he told me I should come together and worship with other believers and assemble together. It's for him. It's for him. And when it bits about me, I can point at every little thing going on in the world. Everything going on, not in the world, in the church. Every little thing. And I say, well, you know, when it's about him, it's amazing how we can overlook one another's faults. Last thing real quick. 
as we want to encourage one another, he says, <clears throat> and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I just want to briefly just, as we wrap up today with this, this last little part, as the day is approaching, this comes about every so often about the return of Christ, every so often. And so I'm kind of in the middle, you know, of the age range, I guess you'd say. I don't know where I fall. If This is supposed to be middle-aged, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But I've got teenagers in my house, so there's my age group. I've got in-laws, my grandmother. So I've got different age ranges all around me, okay? And each of us have a different perspective about life because of our age and everything else like that. But the thing that Paul, uh, that, well, I think it's Paul that wrote Hebrews, when he says, we ought to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, there should be encouragement on the return of Christ, not fear. It, when I come to church, listen, if I talk to you about the return of the Lord as a believer in Christ, you ought to be excited about that. It should not freak you out. And if it freaks you out, there's something wrong with the, either the way I'm communicating it or the way you're hearing it, but it's not supposed to be a fear thing. So real quick, I felt like I need to say this, and then I really am wrapping up. Nice little bow, okay? If I'm going to encourage you about the day that's drawing near, then I need to understand a little bit about what Jesus said about the end. And I'm going to break it down the best I can between different age groups. So if you're older, can I just say a couple things to you? And if you're older, you would know you're older. I don't know what that is for you. I'm not even going to try, okay? It, if you're older, thank you, Ms. Theta. It's, that's wisdom, right? You would know. I'm going to say this. If you're younger, then you would know if you're younger. I, you know what camp you're in, okay? To the older in the room, can I just encourage you with something? Please don't make younger people be afraid of the return of the Lord. What you see going on in your culture around you is different than what you saw growing up. Absolutely. Things have changed. It sure has. But if you were to look back at when you were a young person and ask yourself, was it really so holy when you were a kid? And be honest with these young guys because they think that you guys lived up in this time and era where everybody was like angels. And they walked around like to church like skipping with their kids. And it was like... And they showed up and everybody was dressed to a T and it was worship like the angels fell from the ceiling. The glory of God fell in the church and that's their idea. They think that because they hear all these old stories that like, oh, it was so much better. Was it really though? Be honest with them. Some things, let's don't get it wrong. Some things I know were. But my, my youngest, she's like, dad. This new Elvis movie that come out, why they, why did on the TV they, they cut him off halfway down? Like, why they wouldn't show him up there? I said, because he was dancing, shaking his leg. She goes, huh? <laughs> he was, baby, he was shaking his leg. Or however, was it this leg? I don't know. Which, that. He was shaking his leg and they didn't, the, the, the girls were falling out and like people were like, she's like, cause he shook his leg? <laughs> yeah. So we didn't put it on TV, but let me ask you a question. Did Elvis sell out stadiums? Did girls still go watch Elvis shake his leg? All right then. Don't act like it was so holy. It wasn't. There were things back then just like there are things today. It's different, I understand. But please don't make them feel like their generation's a lost cause. Because they're not. They're not. Now, if you're younger, and you would know if you're younger, but if you're younger, can you understand that the people who are older in the room 
have a whole lot of wisdom. And because they have seen so much, they are concerned, but it's because of the wisdom they have because of their age. They have seen things that you have not yet seen. They know things that you do not yet know, and they can help you with things that you can't even see yet. And that's okay. But please don't think because you're younger that you've got it all figured out, because you don't. Just because they tweet it, post it on social media, they made a little cute video, hi guys, how are you? They don't make them wise. Just because they got a lot of followers doesn't mean a thing. Understand the day that you live in, just because they're your age, that doesn't mean they're wise. Those that are older, listen to what they have to say. They're not, they're not fools. They're very, very wise. So a couple of thoughts from this that, real quick. We have got to live in truth when it comes to this. If you're going to encourage one another by the end of the day, live in truth, all right? Jesus said, nobody knows when he's coming. Can we all agree? There's a scripture on the, on the thing for you there. You've you got to live in the truth of the gospel. Nobody knows except the Father when Jesus is coming back. Is there any dispute among that? No. So every time you see Russia drop a bomb in Ukraine, or there's no you know, wheat over there, or you think Europe's the Antichrist, stop it. You're scaring young people. They don't understand what you're talking about. There's what they're looking at. I thought I'd get to get married. I thought maybe I'd get to start a business. I thought it makes them freak out. Now, could you be right? You might be. But Left Behind books came out a long time ago, and it ain't happened yet. And that don't mean I'm despising or saying he's not coming. He's coming. But when I look at it as a day in the Lord is a thousand, I... It's hard for me to figure all that out, guys. Let's just live in the truth of what he says. And by the way, let's just be honest if you're older. I love you, but if you're older, you didn't play it so safe either when you was younger. Tell, tell, don't, you know, tell the truth, shame the devil, right? Whatever. You be honest. You were courageous. You stepped out. You said, I'm going to go for this, and you did it. Don't make them feel like they can't. Well, you know, what if Jesus comes back? Well, if he does, go out in a place of glory. Praise the Lord. Right? And the other side of it is this. If you're younger, can I encourage you right now? Live in faith. So we're going to live in the truth of God's word, but you've got to live in faith. Matthew 24, 37 says this. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. You need to understand what day you're in if you're younger. There are, listen to the older people. There are things that are going on today that have always gone on, but they're much more public now. Things used to be hidden because people were ashamed of things. They're no longer ashamed. So you've got to understand your faith matters, and are you going to stand on God's word and the truth in it and believe what he says, or are you going to go along with the crowd? In the days of Noah, these things happened. It says, for these days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. So until the day that Noah entered the ark. So listen, until Jesus comes, all this stuff's going to happen. Marriage is going to happen. People are going to have parties. Do your life, but live it in faith and not in fear. And so, but they didn't understand until the flood came and took them all away. Who didn't understand? The world. That means the culture is going to say one thing, but you can't go by that. You've got to live in faith. All right? So he says, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now, this is the part that scares people. There'll be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. Well, let me ask you a question. Which one's taken? What are you worried about? Isn't it funny how we always worry about, well, that one that got left. 
Well, if I'm a believer, honey, I'm not getting left. They can work the grain in the field by themselves. I'm out of here. And thank God for it. Man, I'm going to look back and say, I told you so. I've been trying to tell you. I was talking to you. Now, I don't know what's about to happen. Maybe you'll get some left behind books. It might help. I don't know. But I'm out of here, baby. Not gonna, I'm, I'm going to hate it for them. But watch this. What does that tell you? There's going to be people around you that aren't believers that hopefully you can influence them to Christ. He said he'll separate the sheep from the goats. He didn't say you're going to be always around a bunch of sheep. You come in here to worship around people that believe like you, but you go back out to hopefully influence them to Christ. But one day, yeah, he's going to come back. And when he does, woohoo! It should be exciting, not a fearful thing. You're only afraid if you don't know what if I'm going. You better know. Get that right. All right, last part. Live for Jesus. Look, if you're going to live in truth, live in faith, live for Jesus. Luke 21, one last thing, and we're done. Luke 21, 25, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth dismay among the nations. Do you see any of that happening? Of course you do. The nations are completely in chaos. The sun, the moon, and the stars, there's been more, uh, I don't know how you say it, honey, is it not solar activity. What do you call it with the terminology sun, moon, stars? Astrology or astronomy, which one is it? Astronomy. Thank you. I always get those too confused. I'm terrible at that. There have been more astrological events in the last 10 years. Go back and look how many blood moons. We call them blood moons. But look, they call them solar cl- or lun- Which one is it? Lunar solar? I'm not sure what they call it in their terminology. But we call it from Scripture blood moons. Go back and say how many things like this have happened. Phenomenon. More discovery of stars and planets, etc., etc., have happened in the last 10 years than all the years gone back. But then there's this. There's going to be perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Now, I'm not going to get into your little political boat. But could it be that the whole climate thing? I think you ought to take care of the planet. Pick up your trash. I think it's disgusting. I could pick up after you. That's gross. Take your stuff and pick it up. Put it in the trash. Like, Christians, we ought not find any trash in here when y'all leave. We really shouldn't. I love you, but that's ridiculous. Take your coffee cup. Put it in the trash when you leave. Love you, but there you go. I live on a road where the trash, what do you call it, the dump is down the road from me, constantly picking up trash. And I don't know if people do it intentionally or it just falls out. I don't know what it is. But I think you ought to take care of the planet, right? Don't put your motor oil in the dirt or whatever. Like, it just, that's common sense, right? Good stewardship. Just take care of stuff. Could it be that all this stuff, though, that we're seeing is God saying, hey, listen, the world's calling it climate change. Maybe God's saying... You better wake up. It might not be polar caps. Maybe it is. Maybe it's oil. Maybe it's smoke. Maybe it's smog. Maybe it's too hairspray. I don't know what it is. My thought is, though, if the raging seas are freaking us out, maybe God gave us a word that said, pay attention to the day that you live in. Could it be that this stuff is related to God saying, I'm trying to wake the world up. I'm coming back. My thought, side note. Not in your political boat, just thought you might consider that. <clears throat> anyway, so he says this, though. Men will faint from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming soon upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But verse 28, when you see these things take, begin to take place, rather, watch this, straighten up, lift up your head, 
Because your redemption is drawing near. There is nothing in this about being afraid of the coming of Jesus. It's like, oh man, what are we going to do about this? Wait a minute. The more I see it, I think, well, he must be coming back sooner than I thought. I better straighten up. Lift up my head. Man, maybe he does come back sooner than I thought. Maybe those people are right that were older than me saying like, hey, he's coming. Maybe he's coming sooner than we thought. Oh, but that just freaks me out. It shouldn't. I'm here to encourage you. It shouldn't freak you out. You ought to be excited and thrilled about Jesus coming back. So today, as, as, as I pray for you, I just want you to consider these things like, as a believer, don't fall into this thing that the culture is spewing out and teaching and everything else. And stay true to your faith. Stay true to Jesus. Hang in there. Straighten up your neck, back, lifting up, whatever you've got to do. And if he comes back in the next day, whew. Some of y'all are like, man, that'd be great because I'm stressed out, man. Like, you fix a lot of stuff. Wouldn't it be great? All that worry you got about what your kids might do in the future is gone. Just like that. It's gone. So, hey, look, would you close your eyes by your head just for a moment? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for today. I thank you, Lord, that, that you're good and you do good. Lord, and I thank you that you are coming one day. I thank you, Lord, that you gave us your word not to be afraid, not to be in fear, but, Lord, to, to trust you, to have faith in you, to believe in you, and to know what it is that you're doing in the future, God. We thank you, Lord, that... God, in our lives, that you are with us, that you have never left us, never forsaken us, God. Even if we turn our backs on you, God, you never turn your back on us. God, thank you that today, if there's anybody here or they're watching online and they don't know you, or maybe they walked in this room today and they're afraid, they're sitting there considering the return of Christ and they don't know. I just pray today, Jesus, that they would make that decision known to you today, God, that they would submit their lives to you, release themselves from the culture of this world, and just trust you in their walk, God. So I pray for them right now, Jesus. If your eyes are closed right now and got your head bowed and you're in this room, you say, hey, man, Pastor Jody, I don't know Jesus. I'm one of those people that this stuff freaks me out and I just don't know, but I need to know. First of all, can I just tell you, if you have prayed what we call the sinner's prayer, it is saying, I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. I believe he died and he rose from the dead. I believe he shed his blood for me. I believe that. And I have confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I have asked him to forgive me and to receive me as one of his sons or one of his daughters. If you have done that, my brother and sister, you're saved. You don't need to pray it again. You don't have to worry. You may be dealing with some situations. You may have sin going on in your life. And yes, you do need to repent. But I'm telling you, you are saved. He did not make this complicated. So maybe you need to repent. If you do, then you can pray that prayer with me. But if you're here... And you say, I've never accepted Christ. Man, Pastor Jody, I, I believe that in my heart, but I, I, I just don't know if he'll accept me. I just never pray this. I don't know, but I want to right now. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and this whole church will pray with you right now. But whether you need to repent or whether you need to accept Christ, can you just pray this with us as a church body? Just say this. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my heart. I give you my life. And I give you everything. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Help me, Lord, to walk with you, to hear from you, and to follow you in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of them. Right, church? Give me a hand, would you? <clears throat> so proud of you. 
Listen, before you go on the screens right there, we'll put this up for you. And it's called connect.cornerstonerealm.com. If you prayed that prayer, if you're watching online, you prayed that prayer, and you want someone to help you get started walking with God, we want to help you with that right now. So all you got to do is look on there and uh, log in, let us know. We'll get you started walking with the Lord, help you with some material, anything you need. There's seat backs in front of you have the same cards. You can do it old school and drop it off in the offering box if you'd like to do that as well. But before we go, we always like to say, <clears throat> speak this over your life. If you don't mind standing with us here this, this morning, a couple of things I'll share with you. Our prayer partner is going to come down. And if you need prayer, can I just say, if you need prayer for something like, uh, sometimes people can't get away. So as our prayer ministry team comes down, sometimes like the family I was talking about that's in the hospital with their baby, they can't get away. They can't come here for prayer. So we prayed for them. Maybe you're here and you just need prayer. Or maybe somebody in your family needs prayer. That's what we're here for. We came to hear God's word. We came here to worship God. We came to pray too. If you need prayer, the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Don't overlook the power of prayer. Come down and receive prayer here in just a moment. And then also thank you for your generosity. Uh, man, super thank, big thanks for you guys for helping yesterday with supporting our teenagers. That's awesome. That was so cool. But man, we also thank you guys for your consistency and your generosity to your church. What we do throughout the week, man, thank you for that. And you can do that. The stuff's on the screen there for you. Different giving options to your phone, online, or whatever you do. And uh, man, we always pray for the people that are giving every week when they do counting and whatever. They always uh, thank God and they're lifting up, you know, the things you guys do and praying over you and your family. I pray that you're, you're the blessing of the Lord that you understand it's real and that no matter what you see right now, God will, he, he will come through for you. So I don't know if you're hearing you're struggling with something, but he'll come through for you. You just got to trust the Lord. It'll be all right. So let me, um, before you go, let me speak this over your life. Um, this is from Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. It says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.